I just love to hear Lydia sing. Um, a lot of times when I'm sitting in the back part of the church, uh, I'll sit in the back and when Lydia and all of our musicians that uh, we have been blessed with come up here to sing, um, I just think about how incredibly blessed we are as a church to have her and all the individuals who use their gifts to bring God on and glory through the gift of music. And let me say this, and I say it with uh, a heart that is speaking the absolute truth. Back in my younger days, before I had all these surgeries and all that sort of thing, I went to many, many conferences and... Um, let me tell you, we have as good of music as, a, as I've ever heard in any of those places. So um, just be thankful for what we have, all right? Today I'm going to talk to you all about an a incredibly serious subject, and that's the responsibilities of a covenant. Now, looking out, a lot of you, most of you, practically all of you are younger than me, so the word covenant probably has no meaning to you whatsoever. In fact, even to my age, until I got to studying scripture, the word covenant had no meaning to me either. So maybe you had to go back to biblical days to understand the significance of the word covenant. The word covenant can also be simply defined as an agreement. It can be an agreement between peers, like one person shaking hands with another person. Oh, that doesn't happen anymore. One lawyer talking to another lawyer on behalf of one person and another person signing all of these documents saying what they're going to do, having another lawyer going to get them out of what they're supposed to do anyway. So that's the agreement in this day and time. Loopholes. We'll talk about loopholes a little bit later. Because we also like to find loopholes. No, you don't find loopholes in Scripture. We like to create loopholes for Scripture. But the point being is that a covenant is an agreement, in this case, not with peer-to-peer, -peer, but a covenant can also be with someone of a higher power. Like your boss could write your job description and you sign that job description and that's an agreement with that boss about what you're going to do. Well, we're going to go above and beyond that. We're talking about a covenant with God Almighty. And I say, well, this is the church covenant. Well, the church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. Therefore, by reason of logic, our covenant is with God. And if you really want to get technical, this is not our covenant with God solely. This is our covenant with God. The Word of God is the Bible. And the problem is that the generation that is coming around now, especially in ministry, notwithstanding Chris, 
which by the way, if a lot of you, this is the first time you've seen me, I'm David Dills, and I am slightly related to Chris, he's our oldest, and Alan on the sound is our youngest, so uh, anyway, and we're very grateful for them and how God's working in their lives. So, I want to start with reading to you from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. May God add his blessing and favor to the reading of his word. Father, we are indeed thankful for your word. And I do want to ask and pray that you help us to take seriously the responsibilities of this covenant that we willingly agree to enter into concerning what it means to be an active member of Redeeming Grace Community Church. It's an awesome responsibility. But it's one through the ministry of your Holy Spirit that we are able to accomplish. And as Chris has already said, I want to echo, we are so grateful for all of the mothers in this world, our own included, of course, and all the women who have acted as mothers and had influences on people's lives. It's a gift that you have given to them. And so, may you speak to us through your word this day. May we take again seriously this covenant that we're about to sign or not sign based upon the conviction of our heart. For it is indeed in the precious name of Jesus that we do ask and pray these things. Amen and amen. The writer of Hebrews sums it up extremely well. Sums up our covenant extremely well. Basically saying that our covenant with Jesus Christ is an eternal one. It doesn't change. It is not something that changes from generation to generation. And that's something that we see happening over time. It's like the Bible gets interpreted and gets reinterpreted. The Bible has a certain meaning in one generation and another meaning in another generation. But it's simply not true. What happens is we begin to read into Scripture what we want Scripture to say and how we want to say it. Or we modify it by making it multiple choice and we pick and choose the things that we choose to believe and ignore the things that we choose not to believe. 
Well, that very same principle can be applied to a membership covenant. We can go through these things that are written down on our covenant, and we can say, well, I believe in this, but I don't believe in that, or I feel more strongly about this, and I feel less strongly about that. But a covenant isn't work, doesn't work that way. It's not supposed to be a partial agreement. It's supposed to be an agreement in whole. That as a member of Redeeming Grace Community Church, that we are going to take that extremely seriously. That's one, one of the reasons if the Lord is leading you to join with our church. And we hope that he is. We hope God continues to add to our number. Chris will take you through a new members class and will go over this leadership covenant point by point so that you understand it fully and completely so that you understand what your responsibilities are to this covenant and to know that a covenant with God, with his church, with this church, is not only meant for the benefit of the church, but it's also meant for your benefit. A lot of people really don't understand that. They look at God as someone who is a divine dictator who loves to exercise us as puppets to get his will done, which is absolutely ridiculous because... As Chris read last week about Jonah, God caused a plant to grow up over his head. He ordained a worm, all right? He ordained a worm, first time a worm's been ordained. And the worm went and ate the plant, killed the plant, and Jonah pouted. So God, he doesn't need us for a squat. You understand that? He doesn't need us for anything. His use of us is an invitation to be a part of his plan. And that is so, and that's such an incredible privilege that we don't understand. And sometimes we'll look at a covenant as a burden versus a blessing because we'll look at it and we'll say, these are the things I have to do to be a member. No, these are the things you get to do in order to be a member, just the same as the word of God talks about. And that's why in verse uh, 21, he talks about that he's going to equip us for every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Christ, whom glory be forever and ever. Amen. That's how God works. And so I want to point out just uh, every single point on this covenant this morning. Just a little humor. I know everybody wants to get the lunch for Mother's Day and stuff. But I do want to point out um, the first few. The first one I'm going to do tongue-in-cheek because it says I have read and support Redeeming Grace Community Church's Constitution. I would really be curious to talk to all the members of our church to see if you've actually read the Constitution and bylaws. Or if you started, if you were awake and couldn't go to sleep at night, you started reading them and you were so grateful for them at that time because you were asleep in five minutes. But anyway, that people don't like Constitution and bylaws, but they are necessary and required by law, believe it or not. But, so, moving aside from that one with tongue-in-cheek, 
We're going to talk about the next four, but I'm going to group B and C together. Uh, it says, I will regularly and frequently participate in worship services. Most people think that the only reason pastors talk about attendance is because they want to be able to say, look how big my church is. And look how fast we are growing so that we can get recognized in some uh, Christian literature as the fastest growing church and whatever. And some churches really do thrive for that. They will even lie about baptisms and things of that nature. And, and I'm so glad that it's not like that here whatsoever. We're just allowing God to grow us as he chooses to grow us. Now that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to be here we are supposed to be here because it says let us not give up meeting together as the habit of some is but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching sorry i mixed up two versions there but it's important for you to be in church for you to be in church it's not important to the pastors for you to be in church. It's important for you to be in church. It's important for the pastors to be in church too. But uh, anyway, it's kind of like, um, no, I won't go into that one. But um, so that's your time, being here to worship God and corporately worship him together. Letter C. I'm committed to discover my spiritual gifts and to use it in at least one area of ministry. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And as he comes into your life, he gives you a spiritual gift to be used into the body so that the body may grow and the body may function as a whole. From 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so you are gifted so that you may serve. And as a part of this church, since we began it a long time ago, uh, well, not a long time ago, several years ago, I've been so proud of this church and how it serves. And doesn't matter where, doesn't matter who, but from um, team up mentoring to backyard Bible clubs and things of that nature, it's just been absolutely amazing how this church has responded in these areas of ministry. And so I hope that we will continue these things and that we will see the church attendance continue to grow. And I struggled with that for a while because... Um, I've been in larger churches and I've been in smaller churches, but I love our church. I love everybody in our church. And it just seems like he continues to add new people that are just absolutely awesome. But I always fear that day someone's going to come in and, you know, we just, things change and things will change. But God has been so incredibly good to us, and we ought to be grateful for that. And 
thankful for how he is growing us. But please, if you don't know your spiritual gift, God is not putting it as some type of spiritual needle in a haystack. He wants you to know it. He wants you to use it and to put it into practice for the benefit of this church. Okay? All right. And finally, the one that people struggle with uh, most of all, and that's letter D. I acknowledge that everything I have belongs to God. You could stop there and people will argue with you day and night. But it goes on. And therefore I will honor the Lord with my financial resources. And the scripture there is each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I can say that in approximately 30 years of ministry, I have had more discussions over tithing than I have in most anything else. More than missions, more than evangelism, more than just about anything. And more times than not, because... There was a previous time in my ministry where I preached on stewardship, time, talent, and treasure, uh, twice a year, every April and every October. And it was something that God led me to do, and that's what I did. And so every let's see, April, May, and every November, I got lots of discussions on tithing and about how it was an Old Testament concept and that it was no longer relevant to this day and time, and that I should not be preaching on tithing. Well, I want you to think about this for just a moment. I want to flip back to a book called Malachi, which a lot of people would prefer to just rip out of the Bible because it's one of the harshest letters written in uh, Scripture, Malachi, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, was fighting mad. In fact, in chapter 1, he talks about the worthless offerings, that not offerings as far as money is concerned, but offerings as far as sheep, goats, lambs, etc., uh, to put on the altar, how worthless they were, and that he wished to God that somebody would shut the doors or shut the gates of the temple and just close it down. That would be like putting locks on the doors of this church so that no one could come in here and no one could worship because the worship was worthless and they were wasting their time and they were insulting God. That's how mad he was. But, so we go on to another part. I mean, he really gets in their mail. In chapter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says, Will a man rob God? And then God, this is God speaking to the Israelites. And he answers the question, Yet you are robbing me. But then he speaks for them. How have we robbed you? And God answers, In my tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me the whole nation of you. 
Now think about that for just a moment. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. That's what happens when you don't tithe. But then in verse 10, he gives the counterpoint. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house to test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, my answer to the part that it's in the Old Testament and it doesn't count anymore well, to me, that means you got to take out the Ten Commandments because they happen to be in the Old Testament as well. You have to take out the major prophets because they have to be, happen to be in the Old Testament as well. You see, we don't get to pick and choose what scriptures we want to use. And the nation of Israel was, was experiencing numerous problems and it was because they were unfaithful in so many things. And he brings out the part of fa the fact that they were not uh, being faithful in their tithes and offerings. Now, I know what I just read, what I read to you, that we're supposed to give according to the purpose of our heart, because God loves a cheerful giver. But the same writer of Corinthians also wrote, that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And that's one of the biggest problems we have. <clears throat> Excuse me. One quick drink. And the way that I have summarized this is that our rationalization goes from need to greed. Sometimes we don't have the money to be able to give, so it's a sense of need, and we really feel like that we can't tithe or we can't give. And then there's other times that it's greed that we want stuff. And we want to use our money to get stuff, and so that means if we tithe, we can't get the stuff that we need. And the problem with that is, and I can say this the older I get, is that the Bible tells us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth can't eat and rust can't destroy. The problem with that with us is we want it now. We are probably the most impatient people that the earth has ever experienced before. I mean, our computers have to be so fast that they've got to be able to think about what we want and have it on the screen before we even type it. We want things to happen that quick. I started on a computer with 4.77 megahertz, okay? 4.7 megahertz, not gigahertz, megahertz. But anyway, uh, the whole idea here is if you don't focus on the curse part and if you focus on the blessing part, you understand that tithing and giving is for the benefit of the believer. It always has been. It's not just about paying the pastor salaries. It's not just paying for this wonderful air conditioning that we have this morning. It's not just paying the rent that we have on this building and stuff. It wouldn't matter about any of that stuff what matters is that it's a spiritual principle just like your personal growth spiritually 
just like attending church, just like every point listed in this membership covenant. It's a spiritual principle that we are supposed to live by and that we're supposed to act by. And it honors God. And everything that we do, I'm getting back into generalization now, uh, so you can breathe a sigh of relief about the tithing part. Everything that we do in the membership covenant is for our own individual good and for the common good of this church. So Chris is going to come up in just a moment and he's going to administer our Lord's Supper and he's going to talk to you about how that factors in to our membership covenant. So I hope and pray that I've given you at least a general idea with a few examples about the responsibilities, your responsibilities and my responsibilities of a covenant, an agreement with this church, an agreement with our Lord God Almighty because he's worthy and we can honor him in this way and bring him glory and praise in all we do. Will you pray with me?